Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. These podcasts are like articles you would read in a magazine. In those times, writers were paid by the magazine. Readers would pay a small amount to read on topics that they were interested in. Now, you can get content easily, but people who create it do not get any compensation unless those who like it contribute. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. Today's episode covers the topic of training equipment and is a bit of a follow-up to the last episode about training for reality. I'm also going to cover a bit of combative sport history because the use of equipment for sports has a profound effect on martial arts. Understanding how they did that will help you make informed choices about techniques you use as well as how you train. Fighting for sport and entertainment goes back to ancient times in most cultures, if not all of them. If you found a culture which did not have some kind of sport fighting, it would be the exception, not the rule. These sport arts were often wrestling and grappling based, as they could be done with intensity without necessarily causing serious injuries. One can split hairs about what constitutes injuries. Wrestling is a rough sport and injuries can and do happen among grapplers. That said though, grapplers really don't have much need for protective equipment, except perhaps for ear guards to save them from cauliflower ear. Most of the protective gear for fighters, with the exception of the cup, is in the form of padding such as gloves, headgear, forearm pads, and shin pads. Some combatives programs even use what they call the red man suit, which is pretty much head-to-toe thick padding to turn a pretend bad guy into a moving, human-shaped heavy bag. The idea is that students can strike full blast on the training partner without causing injury. I can see what this training is going for, but I'm not a fan of this approach. I think its best application is for one-time self-defense classes where you want to show someone who is new what it feels like to hit a live person hard and repeatedly. It's fun to do and can help get the new prospective student excited about what they can do. I don't consider this much more than a marketing ploy and I think there are far more productive ways to build skills through training. That is, if you have the time. Good training should not be rushed, but that's just my opinion. If you are trying to train someone up quickly, the problem I see with the red man suit training is that they will get amped up and go full blast because they can do so safely and will really not be focusing on good form. Instead, they will just tend to go berserk on their padded up partner. I don't feel this is very effective training. Again, just my opinion. Why isn't it? An extremely important skill is targeting, and a huge padded suit is not very representational of the targets you should be going for if you're striking. It also makes someone far more bulky than an attacker would be. Their limbs will be huge, so the use of grips will not be realistic either. What a red man suit would be good for is training people who cannot control their power or aggression. It is my feeling that good training should build control, which means a fully padded training partner is actually hindering your efforts to build control. You can train for good striking without needing a red man suit. Boxers don't use those to train, and they hit as hard as any martial artists do. They also do full sparring periodically. One thing to understand about boxing training is that they have different levels of sparring within their training. It's not all full speed and full intensity. They will use headgear and even body padding, but not always. You can work out good movement and response exercises without having to pound hard on your partner. You only add the padding in later as the movements start coming together.
Focus mitts and bag work is where you start building striking power, not against someone's body. I don't use headgear for training, even when training striking to the head. There are a few reasons for this. First, like I just mentioned, learning to hit with power is what focus mitts and pads are for, not a training partner's head. Second, putting on headgear makes the head vastly oversized in comparison to a normal head. I think it's important to train as close to real conditions as possible, and wearing headgear is not very realistic. Third, I find people tend to act differently when they wear headgear. It's too common and easy to get reckless and sloppy wearing headgear. I just find for what Aikido is doing, there isn't much use for it. Sure, it would be nice to be able to land a full force atemi to the head before performing technique, but I've found alternative ways to build good control and deliver pretty solid atemi without needing students wearing headgear. Approaching it in the way I do stresses building control and focus. In a live situation, chances are your adrenaline will kick in and you will have extra strength and power at your disposal. The practice is about hitting with good form, structure, and range. You do this well in practice and learn to do it comfortably at any speed, and you will not have any problem delivering good power when that excitement and adrenaline kicks in. Not to say you shouldn't practice with full power, but again, that's what bag and pad work is for. Here is the method I use to teach kicking, for example. We start with the form of the kick and get down the correct movements. Then we go to partnered work and they can kick at the desired target lightly or with no contact, making sure they stay on form. From there I bring out a heavy bag resting on the ground so they can experience the kick against a solid target. Start with form, which is the most important, then include targeting, then work on power. Kicking the bag is excellent for power delivery, but the target is not moving. To practice against a moving target, we take the power out and go for good form and control. The important parts are form, timing, and range control. You don't need to be hitting your partner at full power to get good practice on these. To be safe though, I will often put lower leg pads on one of the partners, which one depends on the exact kick we are practicing. For example, if we are working on the Muay Thai shin kick to the thigh, then I have the kicker wear it. If we are practicing shin kicks, then I have the target wear them. It's not absolutely necessary to wear pads for these exercises, but doing so means you can apply a bit more power without anybody getting banged up. You can get very close to reality this way and still train safely. At this point you might be thinking, what's an Aikido instructor doing training Muay Thai and shin kicks? I do this for two reasons. First, if we're going to train to defend ourselves against these, we must understand them and be able to do them reasonably well. Second. They are damn good tools and I want my students to be familiar with them. It may just be that they are the right tool for a situation they might be in sometime. I'm particularly fond of the shin kick from Classic Savat. It's a fantastic tool and one every martial artist should be familiar with. Enough about kicks. Let's get into the major subject of protective gear, gloves. The standard of boxing up through the 1800s was bare knuckle. It didn't look much like what modern boxing looks like. The implementation of gloves changed boxing a great deal. The first thing to understand is that gloves did not serve to protect the fighters' heads or brains. They were meant to protect the fighters' hands. That goes against what is commonly believed, but it is true. Let me explain that for those who are not aware. Without gloves or protection for the small bones of the hand, hitting a hard target like a skull would likely break them. Bare knuckle fighting of the time was known for very few head blows because of this. If you broke your hand, you may have to concede the fight. Therefore, it was far better to hit the body 
which you can do without jeopardizing your hands. This is why the boxing guard of the time kept the hands lower than modern boxing guards do. Yes, boxers in the 1800s still struck for the face, but they weren't the huge hammering blows that George Foreman or Mike Tyson are known for. Instead, they were short chopping blows meant only to hit the nose or cut the skin of the face. Sometimes, victory conditions of those matches was to first blood. If all you needed to do was cause a cut or bloody nose to win the fight, you wouldn't need to break your hand to accomplish that. Boxing evolved into a headhunting game, made possible by the use of gloves. Fans loved it because it meant dramatic blows and knockouts. Seeing someone get hit in the body and crumple is nowhere near as exciting as getting knocked cold with a punch to the head. Where does this leave someone who is training for self-defense? Would you be as eager to hit someone in the head if you were not wearing gloves? One heavy punch to a skull very well may be the last thing that hand does until it heals up. Something to think about as you train your striking. On the subject of training, I find boxing gloves are far too big to be useful in self-defense training. They are so big that they are easy to see coming and easy to stop, whereas a bare fist is more difficult. I choose to use karate sparring gloves from time to time with striking. The reason is that they are about the same width and size as the hand, but provide just enough padding to save the hand should it run into an elbow or head. When we work on these strikes, we work at different speeds but keep the power fairly low. I've found that even at medium speeds, having a padded fist running into an elbow can hurt. I like and teach head covers which puts the elbows out. So, hand-to-elbow contact is quite common. It's a feature, not a bug. The goal is to have students work on tight head covers and get into range to do their Aikido. Big gloves allow head covers to be sloppy and still work, which is why the smaller gloves work better. Smaller gloves are closer to what a real person would be like. I've tried MMA gloves too, which are almost no protection whatsoever when hitting an elbow. At that point, you might as well go without gloves, which will make the person punching use caution. What about wearing boxing gloves to practice punching a live target? I find it's far better to use different gear to build the skills of hitting a moving target. For learning to hit body targets, torso padding is quite good. This is one exception to using a live body as a target, and the reason is that it's hard to simulate the shape and movement of a body with pads. To practice targeting, it's best to be looking at a target which is shaped as closely as possible to the real thing and have it move in the same way. Torsos and legs are particularly difficult to simulate, so using a human target is still the most practical for this. Hitting a double end bag or swinging bag are good ways to practice hitting moving targets. Since they are bags, you can practice your targeting and hitting with power together. You want to work on good form first before applying the power but the bags let you do this without a partner. As you get this down well, you want to add in reading an opponent's body and movement. For this, you will need a partner. Even with body padding, you don't want to use 100% power, but you don't need to. You are more looking to train your reading of range and target opportunities, and practice good execution of movement and form to deliver the strike. You should have the level of control to apply as much or as little power as you choose. Think about it though. If you have this level of control, do you really need your training partner to wear body padding? With good enough control, the answer is no. The heavy bag is a tool for practicing delivering power, among other things. You can see how good training includes breaking the skills into segments and trains them either individually or in combinations. Heavy sparring is where they are all brought together. You could think of it like a football team practice, where the team doesn't just scrimmage at full intensity. 
It works on the fundamentals of different areas and brings them together when they play an actual game. The goal is to train all the fundamentals in practice, but do so in a way that the players don't get too hurt to practice. Martial arts and fighting is the same way. One story a mentor of mine shared with me drives this point home. The Philippines are the birthplace of the sport of Muay Thai. Known for its brutal effectiveness, Muay Thai is a kickboxing art which uses not only powerful shin kicks, but knee and elbow strikes. Muay Thai is considered one of the most potent fighting arts in the world. Quite often, martial artists come to the Philippines to train with these superb fighters. It's quite common for young guys to show up expecting to train really hard. This is probably a combination of being ignorant and kind of crazy, and expecting that a hard-hitting martial art like Muay Thai requires punishing training. These young people show up ready to go crazy, and they believe that they will be fighting hard every day and pounding on their bodies, so that's exactly what they ask to do. What they should be doing is asking the native fighters how they train, but they don't. Instead, their hosts accommodate their wishes and allow them to train how they want to train. One example is a method of building the shins into better weapons. Muay Thai fighters will kick the trunks of banana trees to strengthen the shin bones and deaden the nerves which makes those kicks powerful. This takes a long time to do. It takes years. You start very lightly and just repeatedly tap the tree with your shin. This is very painful to start out with so you don't need to do a lot of it. You do a little every day for months and years as your body starts to adjust you gradually start increasing the power that you can apply. Along the way, you are practicing kicking form against the tree. Visiting fighters often don't know that it takes years, and they're only there for a week or two, so they start slamming the tree with their kicks right away. It hurts like hell, and they just think, no pain, no gain, and keep pounding on the banana tree until they're in too much pain to keep going. It doesn't take very long. They also want to spar as hard, heavy, and often as possible. They think that this level of tough training is what the native fighters do. Do they ever ask them or watch how they actually do it? No. If they did, they would discover that the hard and fast method is not what the natives use at all. The natives focus on form and movement a lot. They don't just pound on their bodies or each other all the time. The body strengthening, such as kicking banana trees, is done slowly over time. The body doesn't transform quickly. It needs time and patience to harden. When it comes to sparring, the sparring is light and movement focused, not power focused. Native fighters will spar or do real fights, but rarely. They might do this every few months or just a couple of times a year. The crazy Americans want to do it several times during their visit, if not every day. I say Americans because when young people show up to train like this, they are often American. After a week or two of going gonzo for this training, they are exhausted and their bodies are completely beat up. Most of the damage is self-inflicted. They fly home battered and bruised, thinking they got great training, but the natives just shake their heads because they know better. You might feel like a tough guy taking this approach, but you're not learning much and wasting not only your time, but your health. Back to the subject of training equipment. I do use some pads and other gear from time to time, one of which is very useful for not only targeting a head during movement, but driving home what it's like hitting a real head is a molded rubber head target with an internal grip. It allows the wearer to hold the head and move it around like a real head moves. It's made of rubber, but it's more firm than a bob target. The shape includes the cheeks, mouth, eye sockets, nose, and jaw with enough detail to get good practice with targeting a real head. It's firm enough that when you punch it, you get the feedback pretty close to hitting a real skull or jawbone. 
if you want to practice targeting ahead with striking. This tool is fantastic. I use quality shin guards and karate padded gloves typically. I'm also fond of focus mitts for moving targets and punching shields for power hitting. I find these are far more versatile than a heavy bag. They also work well for being able to hit with penetration to get the holder to move. Given that Aikidoka are looking for Kazushi or taking balance, practicing to move your target is beneficial. Strikes are not just about causing damage, but breaking structure. This is best trained with punching shields, not a heavy bag. You could use focus mitts or Muay Thai pads, but I find the punching shield works better than anything else for this. There are countless ways to train the crucial aspects of hoplology, the study of human combative behavior. I'm always on the hunt for more ways people effectively train for it and how they use the equipment available. There are many great ways to do this. I'd love it if you shared your favorite training gear and how you like to use it in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Martial Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.